Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park In 1984, a postal worker and father of three took his children from their home and brought them to a tiny comic book store in Lawrence, Kansas. One of those children would pick a single issue off the shelf that would begin a love affair with comics that is still going strong today, nearly 40 years later. And that issue was G.I. Joe number 25 from Marvel Comics. I think. I mean, my memory isn't really quite what it used to be. Anyway, what follows is the ninth installment in a multi-part series of episodes where I dive right back into my childhood with the comic that started it all. G.I. Joe, a real American hero. There will be spoilers. Yo, Joe! fight for freedom wherever there's trouble. G.I. Joe is there. G.I. Joe! A real American hero. G.I. Joe is there. I apologize for that, but I think you'll find this a bit more interesting. Hello and welcome to an all-new episode of Just Another Fanboy, the podcast with those old man eyebrows that are really getting out of control. I'm your host, my name is Steven, and I have a bit of listener's feedback to read, but I'm not gonna. Now, I think what I'm going to do is hold on to it because we do have celebrated episode number 30 coming up, and I really want all of you to be a great big part of that. So send me your feedback, your questions, or just your thoughts on life, and I'll make them part of episode number 300. You can email me at justanotherfanboy at gmail.com or use the Just Another Voice line at 785 785- 318-6673 to text me or leave me a voicemail. That email address and that phone number will be in the show notes. Now, episode 300 is due to land on Tuesday, October the 11th. So you have until the end of the day, Saturday, October the 8th, to get in your feedback and your questions and all that. So yeah, 300 episodes is a big deal, folks. Let's, uh, let's celebrate this together, okay? Let's do that. So today I'm talking about G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero, issue number nine, as we continue our journey, journey, as we continue our trek through the old Marvel Comics, G.I. Joe books. This, uh, as I just stated, was published by Marvel Comics. It had a cover date of March 1983, but it hit the shelves on December 7th, 1982, with a cover price 
of 60 cents. The title of this issue is The Diplomat. It was written by Stephen D. Grant with pencils by Mike Vosberg, inks by Chickstone. The letters were done by Janice Chang, and the colorist was Andy Yankis. So we start out the issue with Stalker and some of the other Joes. I think Breaker was involved. Raiding a house, which is uh, which was um, suspected to be a Cobra hideout, a little Cobra base of operations. Um, it is, in fact, a little Cobra base of operations. Their their tip or however they got there was correct, and they bust in and they start cracking some Cobra skulls. And immediately, Breaker goes to the computer to try and download as much information about their organization and what plans they might have. He tries to do it as quickly as he can when Cobra Commander appears on the screen and basically does one of those evil leader type things where he just he basically gives away that they're they're all going to die. And so Breaker snatches something up, runs to Stalker, and they all get out of the house. You know, there's a bomb. We're shooting out a bomb. We got to get out of here now. And Stalker's like, holy crap. And they all run out of the house and it blows up behind them. And Stalker is very disappointed that they were not able to get, you know, information off the computer. But Breaker tells him that, nah, he got this, uh, this bit. I don't remember what they called it now off the top of my head. It wasn't the hard drive. It was like the go pack or something like that. And I don't, I'm not as versed in early eighties computer technology to know if that's a real thing, but in many cases, G.I. Joe, the, the writers are really good at getting their technology correct, unless, 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 of course, they're talking about a fake uh, Cobra or G.I. Joe vehicle. Now, this issue was written by Stephen D. Grant. Most of these, a bulk of these, probably 98% of these issues were written by Larry Hama. So if Larry Hama had written this and he had referred to this piece of computer equipment as a go pack or again, whatever it was, I, I would I would stand there and, and I would feel confident that Larry Hama was giving us some correct information about what was uh, a piece of technology from the time. But I don't I don't know about old Stephen Grant. I don't know what he's versed in. I recognize the name, but I couldn't tell you off the top of his head. His head? <laughs> I couldn't tell you off the top of my head what other books he has done. And I'm sure he's probably a huge famous name from the time. And some of y'all are listening and you're, you're punching yourselves in your uh, brain pan, screaming at your device, which, you know, that's not healthy. Don't, don't worry about it. It's okay that I don't know. If you want me to know, send me an email or a voicemail, you know, or text me and, and then I'll know. But for now, just settle down. It's it's not that big of a deal. Anyway, this bit of information that Breaker gets away with, they are able to decode back at G.I. Joe headquarters, and they learn two pieces of information. One, there's going to be some sort of big assassination at this uh, peace talk with some Gulf nation, and the, the, the name of the guy, the ambassador, Ambassador Hassel, who has to be there at these peace talks because he's the one that's going to uh, bring peace to this Gulf nation and bring them into the United States and make them an ally and all that good stuff. And, and so Hawk, General Hawk, who's giving the debriefing, he, he splits the Joes up in two teams, two two-man teams. 
Stalker and Snake Eyes are in charge of finding out by any means necessary who is the assassin. And Stalker's idea is just to, well, we could just go ask uh, Cobra Commander. And Hawk says, well, that's a good idea. Why don't you go do that? And then he assigns Scarlet and Clutch on protection duty. They are to meet up with Ambassador Hassel and accompany him to the peace talks and keep him alive. Scarlet at one point immediately goes to uh, General Hawk and requests that she be partnered up with anybody else, anyone other than Clutch. And one of the things that they've pretty much established in the eight episodes or eight issues before this one is that Clutch just hits on Scarlet incessantly. He does not know how to be around a woman. He seems to be one of these guys that he gets around uh, a woman and immediately just assumes that she is attracted to him and that her only role is to uh, date him. That's her job. And she doesn't want to be a part of that. She doesn't want to uh, give him any more access to her than what needs to be. But of course, Hawk, you know, it's this is an order, Scarlet. You, you have to team up with him. Now, first off, I found this scene, well, it was a nice thing to read because here we are in late 82, early 83. And while it's it's really not spelled out, they don't come right out and say, Scarlet doesn't say, hey, I need you to assign someone else to me. I don't want to team up with Clutch because he's a male chauvinist who's always hitting on me and it makes me uncomfortable. And at one of these times, I may have to break his neck because Scarlet could surely break Clutch's neck. It's not spelled out in that way. She just requests a different partner, and it's left up to the reader to determine why she might want to be teamed up with someone else. And for those of us who, of course, have read the previous eight issues and are learning as we age uh, the kind of crap that women put up with, we understand completely why she's asking for a new partner because Clutch has been uh, very uncomfortable. Uh, uncomfortable? Not That's not the word I'm looking for. Clutch has been very inappropriate. And it's nice to see them address that in this issue. However, she does have to stay partnered up with him for this issue. And nowhere else, you know, I, I assumed at that point that, all right, then I, I we're probably going to get a moment where he starts hitting on her again and she finally confronts him and uh, he sees the error of his ways. And by the end of the issue, they have gained a mutual respect for each other. Well, none of that happens. First of all, he doesn't, he's not inappropriate to her that I really remember throughout this issue. He says a couple of weird things, but I, I don't know if, I don't know if I would consider them inappropriate. And I don't know if the reason why I wouldn't consider them inappropriate is because I'm a dude and I'm still not uh, 100%. You know, I still think like a guy. I try to, you know, I've, I've learned quite a bit over these last few years, but I'm, I, you know, I've still got a lot of learning to do. So, um, for example, the very first place that the two of them go with Ambassador Hassel, I think they're on the French Riviera and they blend in by hanging out at the beach. So they're all in their bathing costumes and Scarlet is in a two piece bikini type thing. Very small, very, I mean, it's not, it's no more revealing than any other two piece bikini. And it's, and it's actually not as 
as a, in a, you know, an inappropriate type of bikini that, um, it's very, I don't know. It's a freaking bikini. What do you want me to say? Anyway, clutch appears to be buried up to his neck in the sand. And then the ambassador is just there with them and his briefcase and his little swim trunks. Now, three Cobra soldiers attack from the ocean. They're wearing swimsuits. You know, they're, they're wearing scuba gear and they come up out of the ocean and start firing at them. And Clutch, we find out, is not actually, you know, standing up, uh, you know, buried all the way down to his neck. He's, he's laying under a blanket of sand and in such a way to look like he's, he's completely buried. You know, like he's, he had dug a five foot deep pit, got into it, and they filled it in with sand. So only his head was showing. But no, he's, he was laying there. He quickly bursts out of the sand with the machine gun and starts firing back. It's actually a quite, it's quite the nice panel. I really enjoy that panel, though I have to wonder how he kept the sand out of his gun because you can't really bury a machine gun in sand and expect it to work. Sand kind of gets into those motorized parts and gum it up. But he, uh, he, he throws out to Scarlet something to the effect of, uh, I'll take care of this unless you've got a crossbow hidden there amongst your bikini or your bathing suit. That's probably about as inappropriate as he gets throughout the rest of this issue. That's, that's, that's about it. Whereas previous issues, he's, he's hitting on her. He's asking her out. He's, he's calling her babe and, and, and all this stuff, but, uh, he doesn't do any of that in this issue. Um, the Cobra scuba dudes, they were not prepared to have, uh, machine guns firing back at him. So they, they, they retreat, they run away back into the ocean. Um, Scarlet and Clutch take the ambassador back to the hotel so that they can all change and get out of town. But before they can do so, as they're, as the ambassador is changing, Scarlet, I don't think Scarlet has quite changed yet. Uh, the ambassador comes out of the bathroom with his suit and tie and his briefcase and Scarlet hears ticking and realizes that the, that there, there's a bomb in the room. And so they are able to escape through the window. There are a couple of floors up. Clutch is outside waiting in the car. He's the driver because that's what Clutch does. He drives. He's the he's a driving fool. He grew up racing cars and whatnot in Jersey. And there is a moment when they get into the car and they're driving away that she has to change. She has to get into her G.I. Joe suit and she has to do it in the car with these two men in the car and she tells them to look away. And that, I believe that's it. That's the only time. I mean, if, if Clutch was going to get inappropriate at that point, that would have been it. And I don't, I mean, I just read this last night and I don't remember him saying anything. And I feel like had he said something inappropriate, you know, like, oh, hey, let me just turn this mirror a certain way. And, you know, and hubba hubba, little lady, if you would have said anything like that, I would have remembered because that was kind of the whole point of, you know, it, I was looking for it at that point. Once she asked, to have a new partner, I started looking for uh, his inappropriate behavior. Because again, I was expecting a story, uh, th- or at least this story plot, because we also have the the stalker, Snake Eyes, Snorri, Snorri, Snorri Bori, story plot as well. But again, I was expecting a whole, Clutch becomes inappropriate, he hits on her, he says some things he shouldn't, she finally confronts him, maybe breaks his nose, he, uh, learns the error of his ways, uh, saves her life or something dumb like that. And then she's like, oh, well, you're not that bad of a guy. And 
he's, you know, I'm never going to treat you like that again because uh, um, I'm realizing that what I'm doing is wrong, you know. Would have been nice to see something like that, you know. I'm sure it would have been, a, they would have done it very ham fisted the way they did back in the day, but didn't get any of that. But I was looking for it. So while Clutch and Scarlet and the ambassador are heading toward the peace talks and they're avoiding being killed by Cobra agents at every turn, I mean, after they escape from the explosion at the hotel and they motor off in the car, a helicopter follows them drops poison gas canisters on top of them they are in the in the mountains on a very narrow road that uh is on the edge of a cliff and two cars come at them from the other direction to try to uh as clutch says play a little chicken and clutch doesn't move and goes right through the center of them and one of the cars rolls off the edge of the cliff um it might be after that when the the helicopter shows up and drops the the gas canisters on them because at one point they do get captured by Cobra and they are uh, taken to, well, let me think here now because it's I'm trying to remember now how it happens. Well, let me, let me back up. Let me go to the, the, the stalker snake eye storyline because they're happening, they're, uh, they're happening concurrently. You know, you get a bit of each from both. You're weaving back and forth. Stalker and snake eyes go to London to a, uh, an arms dealer, uh, who they they break into his office. The guy comes back from having a fish and bashers and he's wearing a little bowler hat. He's he's a little round man. He walks into his office and immediately snake eyes puts a gun to his head and he goes, by Jove. And uh stalker tells him, look, I'm going to let my friend kill you. Uh, unless you tell us where the assassination attempt is going to take place before the peace talks. And the, this, very proper British gentleman is, I say, I don't know what you're saying. I've no idea about any of this that you're talking about. And as he's saying this, he's writing down on a piece of paper that the office is bugged and there's an address in Amsterdam. And Stalker plays along and he's like, well, it's obvious you don't know anything. We'll let you go. And they leave and immediately this British guy gets on his computer thing and he calls Cobra. And uh, I... <laughs> I should mention one part I left out was uh, there was a moment with Cobra where Cobra Commander is is in his you know headquarters and he's got all these Cobra soldiers around him typing away at keyboards and, and reading printouts and looking at monitors and and uh, one of them comes in and says bad news Cobra Commander and the other soldiers is like oh good lord that guy's dead I'm glad I'm not the one that has to bring in bad news and Cobra Commander says what's the bad news and the soldier tells him that. The Joes have discovered that there will be an assassination attempt at the the, the peace treaty with this uh, Gulf nation state and that they are um, escorting the ambassador to the event. And as the Cobra soldiers brace for Cobra commander's violent reaction, Cobra commander surprises them all by laughing and just basically being like, excellent, it's all going according to my plan. So. When the the British guy, when when Stalker and Snake Eyes leave and the British guy gets on the, the computer and he calls Cobra Commander and he says, they were here, Cobra Commander, and I gave them the information you wanted. Cobra Commander's like, excellent, you've done very well, but we have to keep up appearances and sends a bit of electricity through the equipment and electrocutes the guy dead because that's what they do in these comics. I've mentioned it before. If you've avoided these comics because you're expecting 
the cheesiness of the cartoon, or if you've started reading these comics, hoping for the cheesiness of the cartoons, you have probably in some way become disappointed because despite the fact that we are dealing with a a terrorist organization by the name of Cobra and a uh, special elite military force by the name of G.I. Joe, and they all have these silly names, and eventually we'll all start dressing to a certain extent like crazy looking superheroes. This at this point in the 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 run, just nine issues in, it can get pretty real at times. And here's one of those moments where one of these agents of Cobra is electrocuted to death right in front of our eyes. And keep in mind this is a comic book created to sell toys to kids. Just just keep that in mind. So Stalker and Snake Eyes go to Amsterdam. They go to a particular hotel. The uh the it's very obvious to a grown-up that the fact that they're in Amsterdam and the way that the woman at the desk is dressed, that they're in a brothel, uh, it may not be obvious to uh, a child because they never they never mention it, but it's totally a brothel. And she sends them up, she sends well, she sends Stalker upstairs because he's the only one that that comes in and she's like, Hey, you go on upstairs and have some good time. And he goes up there and she picks up the phone to call Cobra. She's like, you know, answer the phone, answer the phone. They're here. We're going to kill them and all this. But before anybody can answer the phone, Snake Eyes is there with a gun to her head. So Stalker goes into the room in the hotel and, and, and immediately he walks in. It's dark. He can't see anything. And he calls out, I know you're here. You might as well come out. The, the gig is up, basically. And and uh, he is then... um greeted by a hologram of Cobra Commander as the doors lock up. And Cobra Commander, being your typical villain with a giant ego who thinks that everything he does is going to work out the way he has planned it, decides to tell Stalker everything about their plan because he believes in his evil heart of hearts that there's no way Stalker's getting out of this hotel room, that he is going to die. And so he spills the beans that this guy from this Gulf nation state, and I, I, I've purposely not said the name because I, I can't remember it. Uh, this, this guy from this Gulf nation state that the America is trying to uh, sue peace with and, and bring over as an ally, that um, the assassin that's headed there right now to kill him is Ambassador Hassel. He has been a covert Cobra agent for years and years and years, and he has finally gone up the ranks in the American government that he is able to be put into a position to cause some real damage. And the fact that G.I. Joe is escorting him to his assassination attempt that that he's going to do, they're they're taking the assassin to the guy that Cobra wants to kill. Uh, Cobra Commander, of course, just thinks this is delicious. And uh, of course, G.I. Joe will also be implicated because, again, they are bringing the assassin to the target. Uh, well, of course, Stalker is able to to free himself with the help of Snake Eyes, and they rush to the wherever it is that this these uh these peace talks are being held. Sweden, uh, the Himalayas, somewhere. It's a snowy, mountainous region. It could be in 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 Austria. Uh, but at one point, as they're arriving, Clutch and Scarlet, the the ambassador reveals himself to be the assassin uh, by taking them prisoner uh, because I think I think they take over the helicopter. Yeah, so 
there was a moment I was talking about where a helicopter was dropping gas canisters on top of them and they drive off a bridge and uh, crash into a, a river or a big lake or something and the, the car um, sinks underwater and the, the helicopter comes flying in low to, to see if anybody on board can see if, if you know, anybody survived and, and uh, Scarlet bursts out of the water and, and grabs hold of the helicopter and climbs aboard and beats everybody up and um, Clutch and the ambassador get on board and then they fly to the, the wherever this, these peace talks are being held, this snowy mountainous region. And it's as they're landing that the helicopter is suddenly surrounded by Cobra soldiers and Hassel reveals himself to be the enemy and they, he, they, they, they tie the two of them up and like a ski shack up on top of this mountain. And again, I'm sure all of this uh, adventure is very gripping for a young man or a young lady reading this book. Uh, as an adult man, you, of course, can't help but see all the silly little things that the bad guys do that cause them to lose each and every time. For example, uh, Cobra Commander revealing his plans to Stalker because he just knows that Stalker is going to die. And in this case, the Cobra soldiers tie up Scarlet and Clutch. The idea is Hassel tells them, all right, I'm going to go down there to the, to the peace talks there at the bottom of the mountain. And I'm going to kill this dude. When you hear the gunshot, shoot the two of them and get rid of the ropes. My thought, of course, is just kill him now. Why do you need to wait? You know, or, or is, there, is there a reason for that? Do they want witnesses to hear multiple gunshots around the same time? I don't know. But of course, it allows Scarlet and Clutch to free themselves from their ropes and escape, beat up the Cobra soldiers, put on some skis and ski down the mountain toward the chateau where the peace talks are being held. And it's actually a really cool moment because this leader of this Gulf nation state who's about to be assassinated, Hassel is standing there with his back to this giant picture window and he pulls a gun and he's about to shoot him. And you can see as the panels are progressing, Scarlet is racing down the mountain on these skis and she jumps and she crashes through ski first, skis first through the, through the big window, slams into the back of Hassel as he's taking a shot. So he actually shoots the guy, the, the Gulf nation state leader dude falls to the ground. Scarlet kicks Hassel in the face, still wearing the skis. And uh, they take him captive. And the guy's like, doesn't matter because uh, I accomplished my goal. So in the end, everything's going to go to crap regardless of what happens to me. And that's when this uh, Gulf Nation state leader guy whose name I don't know and uh, don't feel like looking it up. He, uh, he stands up and they're like, oh my gosh, he's alive. And he's like, yeah, uh, where I'm from, what I do, uh, assassination attempts are just part of the game. And so I wear a bulletproof vest all the time because I'm not stupid. And so GI Joe wins, Cobra loses, and Cobra Commander's not all that happy about it. And in fact, the last three panels of the book are uh, uh, a Cobra soldier telling Cobra Commander that the attempt failed. Cobra Commander is reading the little communique and he says, oh, Hassel was captured. The talks go on. How unfortunate. And the Cobra soldier says, you, you're not angry? And Cobra commander says, should I be? It was only a game. And there will always be another game. 
And that's how the issue ends. It was fun. It was a, a fun little little done in one adventure by Stephen Grant. Mike Vosberg, of of all the artists that we've seen on G.I. Joe thus far, and the only other one that springs to mind right now is Don Perlin. Um, but I'm fairly certain Mike Vosberg has done a previous G.I. Joe issue at this point, but not really a big fan of his art on G.I. Joe. It's not bad, but the way he draws certain things like the helmets, there's a, a number of of panels with clutch in his helmet or breaker in his helmet. And, you know, this was the time when Snake Eyes and Scarlet were the two Joes that looked radically different than all the other Joes. The rest of the Joes that were part of this group, and it was a small team at this point, they all wore the uh, like dark green khaki uniforms and they all had the the dark green uh, army helmets. And Many times in these stories, they have drawn those characters with those helmets on and it just, it doesn't always work. And the way Mike, like I said, the way Mike Vosberg draws someone with a, with an army helmet on, it just doesn't work. It just doesn't look like a helmet. It looks like they're wearing this weird globe on their head and, uh, it just looks weird. And some of the faces I don't, you know, the thing is about Mike Vosberg is I actually enjoy his faces. He does, he does something a little different with faces than, than a lot of people that I've seen, uh, who, who, who drew comics around this time. There's just something real about his faces because they don't look in many cases attractive. They don't look, uh, I mean, they're, they're kind of just these normal, ugly, average faces. He doesn't go out of his way to make any of these characters you know, the men don't look handsome. The women don't look traditionally attractive, even Scarlet. And I think I, you know, it's something that I really appreciate about his art. And it's not, I'm not saying that the way he draws them is bad. It's not, um, artistically, uh, bad art. It's just a stylistic choice where he draws people to look a bit more real. You know, a a, a military team isn't going to be made up of super attractive dudes and super attractive women. And that's, that is something I appreciate out of his art. It's just that when he draws helmets and in the car, when the, the car that clutch is driving in this issue, when you see it head on or you see an over the top view, it just looks ridiculous. It doesn't look like a, a real car. They, he puts this big triangle thing up front and it just, it's supposed to be a regular car. And I, I, he may have even clutch at one point may have even said what kind of car it is, but it it does not look like anything more than uh, somebody trying to draw a car when we see it head on or an over the top view. Um, otherwise, again, it was it was a fun issue, uh, a fun story. I am looking forward to eventually getting some of the newer characters. You know, we're going to get to a point where characters such as Gung Ho, Roadblock. Duke, you know, if you like me, if you grew up with the cartoon before you started reading the comics, these first 12 or so issues uh, are a bit of a head scratcher because the whole time, if you're not knowledgeable at all about how or, you know, not how, but the 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 first line of the action figures and 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 how that related to the comic, you you wouldn't know that that characters like Roadblock and Gung Ho and Duke weren't part of the original G.I. Joe lineup because 
from the first cartoon, the the first miniseries, the guy who's running G.I. Joe is Duke and Gung Ho is on the team. And so to not see those two characters, you know, nine issues in, and I, I know they're coming up. I just don't remember when it's, I, I feel like it's another, uh, another few issues, five, six, seven, eight, 12, 107. I don't remember, but these are characters that you just, if you've, if you've only watched the cartoons and then you decide to start reading the comics, you expect to see characters like Duke from issue one and you just don't. And in fact, what can be confusing for you, um, especially if you were a kid at the time, if you were not picking these comics up until after the cartoon started and then you were able to go into a comic book store and purchase these back issues, your first thought might be that Hawk is Duke until you start reading it. You, why are they calling Duke Hawk? And why is he dressed differently than he is in the cartoon? And, and uh, yeah, but I, I know those characters will show up eventually. And then I know that that as we continue, the stories will become more and more ridiculous. But I also know that at least the first 25 to 30 issues um, are just some darn good comics. I had started reading, heck, even going into the 40s, because I had started reading um, using both the Marvel Unlimited app and then with Comixology. If you remember a Comixology Unlimited, the first, good Lord, is it like seven of the G.I. Joe Classics trades are available through Comixology Unlimited. And these are all the, the collections of all the, the, the Marvel Comics run on G.I. Joe. And for a bit there, and I need to get back to it, but I had picked a month in 1985 that I was just going to start reading Marvel Comics. And that's around, you're, you're, you're probably around the, maybe the, the late 20s, mid 30s, maybe of G.I. Joe at that point. So I read a handful of G.I. Joe comics from around 31, 32, 33, somewhere 39. I I don't remember, but they were some darn good stuff. And they, a lot of them feature covers by Mike Zeck or John Byrne, which are beautiful covers. You wish you would open it up and find that same artwork inside. You don't get it, but you're, you're still getting some good stories. You know, Larry Hama really, you know, as as the series progresses, he really kind of finds his groove and just starts writing some some dang good stories. I mean, this is good stuff right now. This is some fun, good G.I. Joe, but it eventually just becomes great. And then, of course, we get into the late 80s, early 90s, and there are ninjas around every corner and it starts to get super dumb and super silly. So, uh. Yeah, we'll get there eventually. I'm going to try to do these more often. And I'll, I'll admit something here, folks. I probably should have done an episode of ElfQuest uh, because I haven't done an episode for the, the run on ElfQuest in a while. But I'm kind of torn in two. I have, uh, uh, you know, two thoughts on this matter because as you may or may not be aware, uh, because I didn't mention it at the top of the episode, but I have a new show coming out called Just Another Fanboy Presents in which each season will be devoted to a certain subject or run of comics. Season one, which launches on October 6th with an episode zero, will be all about the death and the return of Superman storyline from over at DC Comics, which lasted from 92 to 93. And I'm reading them and releasing the episodes the same week that the issues were released 30 years ago, because for example, episode one 
is about Superman, Man of Steel, issue number 18, which is the first issue in the Death of Superman storyline. It was, uh, or it hit shelves on October 13th, 1992. So that episode's going up on October 13th, 2022, 30 years later. And so that season is going to go all the way through to the the last episode should be an episode 39, um, providing we don't do any feedback episodes throughout there. But it will go to November 21st, 2023. That's where that series will end. That's when season one will end. So then I got to start thinking about, and I've been thinking about, what am I going to do for season two? And there's a big part of me that wants to stop reading ElfQuest and doing episodes about ElfQuest here on Just Another Fanboy and have that be the subject of season two. Because I'll be honest with you, when I was planning out last night what I was going to do for this episode that released on November 27th, on a two, on Tuesday, November 27th, did I say November? September. <laughs> September 27th. Um, I was originally going to do the next ElfQuest episode, and I sat down to read the next comic that was ready to go, and it made reference to certain things that happened a number of issues back that I, I don't remember because I'm waiting too long between these issues. I can do that with these G.I. Joe books right now because there's most of these are done in ones. There's, there's not a lot of referencing back to other issues. There's not a continuous story going along. But with ElfQuest, I feel like I need to release those episodes once a week because I need to be able to stay caught up. So as I'm speaking on an episode, I can, you know, something happens in the issue that references back to an issue that's 10 or 15 issues previous. I need to be able to still have that kind of in my brain. So at this point, there's a big part of me that wants to just walk away from that here. And maybe that will be, you know, restart them all over again and do them as, as season two of just another fanboy presents. But I don't know. I don't know if I'll do that yet. I don't know. I haven't decided. We'll see. We got a lot of time. We're, we're talking about a year from now. And I'm sure I'll take a break between seasons on that. So uh, a year at least. Um, but that's it. That's the episode, folks. So I'll tell you what, let me just let me wrap this sucker up. I want to thank everyone for taking the time to listen to this episode of Just Another Fanboy. This episode was produced by me by drinking a full can of Monster Energy, rubbing a bit of bacon behind my ears, and falling asleep more than seven times during its production. You can send your feedback and or questions to justanotherfanboy at gmail.com or use the Just Another voice line at 785-318-6673 to text me or to leave me a voicemail. And don't forget to join the Steven Says Stuff newsletter, the free substack at list.justanotherfanboy.com, where I will send every single podcast episode I create right to your inbox the morning of its release. So if you want to get in on this Just Another Fanboy Presents, I mean, you can go out there and subscribe. The The, the feed is out there. The, the podcast is, is out there. I've released a trailer and a bonus episode. But if you want to make sure for gosh darn sure that you're going to get those episodes, join the free Substack, and I'll, I'll send them to you right to your email, right to your inbox. You can support the show for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash Stephen and in many cases, get episodes just like this one before anyone else. I try to get them up there at least 24 hours before they go out to everyone else. If, uh, if you're, I'll tell you this right now, if you're interested in the Just Another Fanboy Presents podcast that I got coming up, 
and you can't wait until October, well, you should probably join the Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. The uh, episode zero has already been made available to my patrons. That doesn't go up until October 6th for everybody. And episode one will probably go up this week to my patrons. So if you want to start listening to those now, it would behoove you to spend that $12 a year to get those episodes now. I would also encourage you to subscribe to this show, leave a five-star review and share this episode with a friend. All links that I have mentioned in this episode will be in the show notes. So until next we meet upon sandaled feet, I promise I won't trick you, but you may get a treat. My name is Steven and I'm just another fanboy. Be nice to each other. We shouldn't be in here. Let's go. Okay, follow me. What's the matter, you chicken? I can't jump that far. Okay, chicken, I'm leaving you here. Use your head, Sally. Lady J. There's nothing chicken about being smart. If you stop and think, there's almost always a better way. I use this plank. That's using your head instead of losing it. Now I know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.